Hello, I'm Ryan. This is You're Not Watching That, the podcast where I'm finally catching up with all those films I should have seen, but my parents said, no, you're not. Um, welcome to episode five, the episode in which no one can hear you scream. That's right. We've briefly left the batshit crazy 80s films behind and hopped into the 70s to watch Ridley Scott's sci-fi horror classic, Alien or Alien. I better not do that. I, I end up saying the same thing all the time. Uh, so buckle your seatbelt on your commercial space frigate, grab your cat, check your chest for heaving worm things, and let's go. Uh, here we go. Episode five. And, and who's who could be with me? It's uh, not Ridley Scott. It's not Sigourney Weaver. It's uh, Dan Fudge. How you doing, Dan? Listen, if you've seen my TikTok, you'd say that's Ridley Scott-esque. That's what you'd oh, say. Oh, have you got the... Uh, You've got the, the technique, says. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, I've got the eye. I've got the eye for it. Now, I'm I'm going to warn you tonight. I've not made a lot of notes about this because I, I, f- I felt they were a bit contrived. You know what I mean? I felt I felt like it was a bit like I hadn't prepared. So I thought, what I'm going to do, I'm going in raw. I'm going in raw. Wow. And for those of you who know dance history, that's... Uh... Anyway, uh, so as we do each week, I think we should just get uh, stuck in and go with yeah. the things I knew before. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Let's hit that theme tune. So uh, this one is a funny one because I kind of know it better. I, I think I said before, a lot of this pod is about cultural references. You know, when someone says, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, I don't know what they're talking about or things like that. Obviously, I know what that is now because I've, I've looked it up. But, you know, you didn't want to be that kid at school who's going, oh, yeah, that's dead good. Yeah, I love uh, I love Jake the Snake. Yeah, yeah, he's in Postman Pat, is he? You know, you get something wrong like that. Now, this one, there's a lot more of the references I think I know. Uh, because it's culturally, it's all over the shop. And so you see it everywhere. That's what I mean. So mm-hmm. um, the first one is obviously the alien itself. I've seen that bugger everywhere. Bit of a keen gamer. And uh, the alien, I'm sure it'll have a name. Dan's going to tell me it's called Toby or something. But it's, um, I've seen that in everything. Um, also the artwork of Geiger, I've seen that quite a lot. I've seen it mentioned in things. And like in, <laughs> I genuinely do like films. I know no one believes me who's listening now into episode five. Uh, but I've seen games that have featured that and films that have featured that style. And the other one is actually staying on games. There is actually a game on the Xbox where it's basically you're playing as Ripley's daughter. Um, and it's it's all very kind of grained. You know, the screen's very grainy and uh, it's got that kind of thing to it. And it's got all the gadgets from this one. So I've actually played that, but didn't really know what the chuff it was talking about. So that's what I knew before. Uh, as I nearly always ask Dan, when did the alien appear on your space radar? Went round to my Rongan mate, Paul Barton's house, eight years old again. Uh, you'll, you'll notice that that'd be a running theme. I should get Paul on this on this show, actually, at some point. We've kind oh, of lost he, touch over he's, the last he's not in, years. He's not in jail? No, he's not. He, uh, he ended up getting absolutely jacked by, by, by about 25, and, uh, and then he had an accident or something. It was a whole thing. I, I only saw via Facebook. But I, I'd look, I, do you know what? It'd be nice to reconnect over these movies at well, some point. We could almost do it like if he is in hospital. We could do like hospital radio. We could go and do the pod by his bedside with some grapes. Yeah, because I tell you what, actually, I saw a meme earlier on about um, about Lucasade, you know, original Lucasade. Being, the bottles with a wrapper. Yeah, being medicine, right? Yeah. Right. It, was that a thing for you? Because I, I, it wasn't for me. I mean, were we too poor to have Lucasade? Is that what it was? It, it seemed like a real Southern thing. And everybody's, well, what are you drinking what are you um, drinking medicine for? No, definitely Lucasade, but it wasn't the fancy orange shit. It was just the one that looked like battery acid. That was the one... Mm that we definitely did add if you had like a bit of an unset stomach. I remember coming home from school once and my mum said, what's the matter? Or, you know, when you had to ring, you had to go to the office and go, I don't feel well. And they had to ring your mum and they'd say, what was the matter? And I'd say, my stomach feels like a washing machine. And I thought that was a really good way of describing it. It did. 
Um, that was very partridge. And it actually did. That's what it was. Yes. Um, but yeah, Luke said, um, what was the other one as well, you bugger? Um, there'd always be some sort of concoction you'd have. But yeah, Luke said that was the one. But I don't remember it being wrapped in like a sweet wrapper, like I've seen on them pictures. Yeah, I've only ever seen that. That must have been a 70s thing. And speaking of the 70s, there's a segue for you. Well, it's a segue that I'm just going to uh, <laughs> I was going to keep that really, really modern and go, I'm going to peach Sam Pratt that back at you and say uh, things you did to get out of school briefly, because I've got this thing <laughs> I can do. Hold on. This isn't going to be a bit shit on a podcast, but maybe we'll put this on a TikTok. So I'll try and get near the screen and let down and see. Hold on. So I can do this thing where there's two two bits to it, where I can basically make my nose look like it's dislocated. You might not want to do this stuff. Uh, so yeah. start like this. So there's my normal nose. I can make it go like this. So it's, it's very subtle. Watch. Like that. Okay. So now what's good about it is from the side, you can't really see it. It kind of makes my nose come down. Now I've got a beard. You can't see, but my lip kind of comes out a bit. Now what I used to do was put my hand like this, and I like put my uh, thing behind my tooth and go like that, like I'd rock it. And then I'd do that and go, someone hit me in the face and try and get out of school that way. That was the other one. And you well. used that to get out of school? Did once, but you can't do it many times because they start asking questions like, who's hit you? Is it abuse? <laughs> Who needs to be expelled? What about you? Any, any little uh, dislocations or bodily part removals that get you out of uh, chemistry? Double. There was there was one that I, I tried once and then got caught and then uh, and then never tried it again. So. Um, Back, back back in like it's like 96 to 98 I, i've stayed on at school and gone to gone to six form so i didn't wag it before i never never thought about it you know what i mean i just didn't it just didn't dawn on me to not go because you know school's great you just get to hang around with your mates all day and try and make a uh try and make a teacher cry like we did with our re teacher and um and so what we did we i i decided i was just gonna wag it so i rang up school right. and my, my dad and i back then used to sound exactly the same so i'd ring up and go hey uh adam's not coming to school today it's dan fudge <laughs> technically not lying you know what i mean oh because it was you <laughs> yeah now what i what i forgot was that coming up in two days was parents evening oh. and my form teacher sat down with my uh with my mom and went how's uh how's dan's back and uh and bless oh, me, back. You went with a back injury. I went with I went with bad back. I'd played rugby that that weekend. Oh, I, thought, I see. All right, so back, yeah. back. How's uh, how's Dan's bad back? And my mum, bless her, she went. Oh, I think yeah, you know he's uh, he's getting better. He'll be in tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she came back and handed my ass to me. I and bet. She, she what? She comes sashaying in, and I'm sat there playing champ manager. Yeah. And she went. Uh, What's this about your back? <laughs> I went. Oh God damn it. Shit, that would have been the time if it was out to have gone. Guess who's back? Absolute bad. Do you know what? I'm going to add one more to it. And by all means, guys, if you're listening to this and you want to send us any of your uh, escapades in the 80s or above that people couldn't do you for because there was no technology to check it. Um, my godfather worked in the police in Skegness, and um, this is kind of tells you a lot about Skegness as well. And I used to have one of the mongoose BMXs, the ones that were like a silver frame, but it had the foam wrapping around the frame, which, and let's be honest, if you ever come off it and you got your bollocks or you're sharing them or your gooch, whatever you want to call it on that, but it's still hurt, right? Spoken sorry, to, sorry. Sharing them. Someone once told me that the bit between your balls and your ass is known as the sharing them. I've heard taint because it taint your balls and it taint your ass. Oh, that's good. I, I've not, I've not heard sharing them. It sounds very, can you imagine some kid who's like um, some sort of like prince's son who's come off his pony? Who can I say? The pony is always going to be called Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> I've come off Eddie Redmayne and I've hurt my Sheringham. Yeah. Anyway, well, do you know what? We're off tangent here, but my mum's mum used to call having a shit having a serious. <laughs> 
I weren't ready. I weren't I ready. You, I know you weren't. What's funny about it is when Think Twice came out by Celine Dion and she went, this is getting serious. My mum used to lose her shit. Uh, Zoom doesn't always pick up laughter, but Dan's lost it. Oh, God. My apologies. That was a bit too loud for you, wasn't it? My, I'm, like, I'm sorry no, no, I didn't hear it at all because Zoom cuts it out, but it's fine. But it was that kind of thing of like going, uh, yeah, have you going to add a serious... I can't, anyway, back to my godfather. Hold on, come back. So I had my mongoose bike, spokey dokies, really wanted them Chris Boardman discs on the side so no one could mm. put a stick in your spokes. Um, and I remember they kept saying to me, don't leave it outside. Stop leaving your bike outside. I don't know, let's take it down the side of our house. You remember our house in Skeg? Take it down the side. No, nah, I'm not. Come my ass. And one day it had gone. And I come out to go and do some bunny hops or some shit. And where's my bike? I don't know. Where's your bike? Where's my bike? You haven't left it outside, have you? Oh, bloody hell. We're going to ring your godfather, Rick, at the police station. So it's, it's so much like a story from Fireman Sam, this. It's unbelievable. So they take me down to the cop shop. Sure. And there's my uncle, uh, my godfather, in his full uniform going, hello there, how you doing? Yeah, I wish he'd gone, hello, hello, hello. I don't think he did. They took me in, and there's my mongoose in all its glory. And he went, yeah, look, we found this. Now, what did I tell you about getting it stamped? Everyone wanted it stamped, didn't they, back in the day? That's what yeah, 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 like it made a difference. But it turns out years later, the fuckers had bloody completely engineered it. My dad had took it down the cop shop and said to his best mate from school, here, can you nick this for me? <laughs> Teach him a lesson. Yeah, we've got nothing else to do. We'll just steal that bike. So anyway, that's it. That, that'll learn you. Alien. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway. So unlike the films we've done so far, if this is your first one you've listened to, this is a fifth episode and we've done Robocop, The Running Man, Big Trouble in Little China, and of course, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So this is the first one that isn't, I mean, they're not all similar, are they, Dan? But this has got a different vibe, hasn't it? It's, it's 70s for yeah. a kickoff, but I'm going to throw in the sub bit to it. I would argue this almost some ways looks like it's later. It's almost better in every way. It is better in every way. I um, I, I don't think there's much, I think I've been saying this term quite a lot on the show, there's not much jankiness to it. You know what I mean? You really believe that this can actually happen in the next century. Can I just interrupt you? So what would that be in French if there isn't any jankiness? Ne pas de janké. Thank you. Just checking. Continue. Continue. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, so watching this movie, I remember being absolutely bloody terrified. Oh, can I just re repeat? It's because you weren't fucking old enough to watch it. Hence the reason yeah, yeah. why, you know what I mean? I feel like we need a symbol crash every time yeah, you say that. Yeah, we just need a bit where it goes, that's why you weren't watching it, you knobhead. Anyway, continue. So you watch Again, it's another, it's another example of solid parenting that you had there, Russ. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, the nicking bikes taking me to see David Bowie singing about fellatio, talk, telling me that my poos are serious. But by all means, do not watch a xenomorph being stuck in the side of a ship. Yeah, brilliant. In it, so, so yeah, shit so yeah. Watching watching this back, I was I was eight years old, and um, and it, it, for me, it's it's one of those. It's the textbook movie of these horror films that you see, which um, which you're scared by the things you don't see. You you know what I mean? It, 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 I don't know if you call that a trope, but there's a yes, there's a genuine feeling around like you think this geezer could die in any second now because I've seen yeah. what happens. I've saw what happened to the first geezer. And then it could happen again at any second. And it absolutely terrifies you to death. Because when you think of the screen time that the Xenomorph gets, it's fairly minimal, right? I looked that up, by the way, that it's called Xenomorph. Yeah, it's, so it's the thing that you get in, well, you get it to an extreme in things like, is it Cloverfield? You get it in um, mm. the Blair Witch. It's, it's, it's kind of not, it's not like um, show don't tell, but it's kind of like, if you don't see it, it's what you don't can't see that scares you. That's the exactly one. Right. Exactly um, right. We'll do our kind of standard and we'll go through um, the little bits of it. Again, there's not as much written down because obviously when you're watching Big Trouble in Little China and you're going, 
fuck me. Why is he coming out the sky? What's that in the pipe? Jesus Christ, why has he said that? Why is he called Dave? It's very different in this one. There's, this is going to be one of the first ones where I don't, I don't ever try and do these to rip the piss at all. I look at it from a bit of a, we can laugh from distance, you know, not like you go, First World War, bloody hilarious. Um, mm. But with this one, it's, it was actually really, really bloody good. So there's Isn't not... Go I, that's, that's what I was going to say. I, th- I think the difference is between the, the shit we've watched and the cultural impact where essentially we've, you know, in the last four episodes, we've had four four directors sat there thinking, what, they liked it? Yeah. Fucking hell. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas this one is a is a genuine masterpiece, right? Yeah, you know, Riddo's sat there when he's just doing each shot going, that's got Oscar written all over. I think he's from Newcastle, really, Scott. Well. So that's got Oscar written all over. Us. What can I? Yeah, he drinks WKD Blue and negotiates <laughs> with hookers in Amsterdam. Yeah, this he does. He loves it. Um, have you got any of your hints and tips on this one before we get going? Any of your Chateau-Zozos? Not really. Not really, oh, because it, it, it's not... It, 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 just, it just came out. It, it was one of those films where it was just about and, and everybody knew it. And, and there aren't really... There aren't really many tropes. However, it did start a lot of them. You know what I mean? It, 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 like the, the the face hugger. I think uh, I, I was just reading up. It's in eight other movies. What's and that? Then, you know, the face hugger, the uh, the thing that jumps on John Hurt's face. That's what he's called, is he? He's called a face hugger. A face hugger. That's the, that's the, I don't, well, it didn't get referenced in the movie, did it? And they kind of gave it a name afterwards. Yeah. And then Charles. there was the, there's the trope of the overarching evil company. You know yeah. what I mean? I I, yeah. I wish I could remember the name of the company. I don't know if you've got it written down, but there's oh, it's um Wayland Utani Corporation. That's what it yeah. is. And yeah, it's like, not good. yeah, the big evil company who puts the uh, who puts the uh, automaton in the uh, in charge of the ship. But I'm I'm sure we'll get there. We will, and we're going to talk about mother and all the rest of it. Mother and all the rest of it as well. Uh, mother, why is it a serious? Um, so let's start. First thing for me that came in was. I remember one of my favorite films of all time and say kudos to my other half, Natalie, who in the last two weekends has watched every Star Wars film, the whole of Obi-Wan, um, wow. all series of The Mandalorian up to the new one, and is halfway through Andor because she's now realized she's obsessed with that shit and I was right all along. I love you, Doc. <laughs> um, I tell you what, though, how's she getting on with the disparity in the quality of the movies to things like Obi-Wan? I mean, even the fight scenes are somewhere else i've kind of prepped her it's almost like i've given her a, a nice barium meal in a way i've kind of gone he fights like an old man with a twig here but you wait till they get rocked up on that that fiery planet and shit gets real i think she likes sith best the third one in lots of ways because of the way you've got obi-wan doing that whole like you're my brother uh but we'll come we'll come to star wars another time i can't unleash <laughs> that because i could do a whole 13 pods on that but star wars is connected because 1977 george lucas star wars a lot of it based upon especially the tie fighters and the x-wings based upon like old footage from the first world war dog fights and similars like that and the second world war um but you can smell star wars all over this now remember that before that you've got kubrick um uh, 2001 and that actually came before star wars that's the first mm-hmm. time we've seen big planet slow moving ship but star wars gave it that the model element, I think, definitely, you know, built all those models and that shit. You can see Star Wars all over these ships at the start, can't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And I think it, um, just like similar, similar, I'm not saying the same, similar to The Running Man, there's not an element it. of the future shit. Like, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of, um, a lot of things that like, well, the future's going to have flying cars and it's going to be lovely and everybody's going to be all nice to each other and all whatnot. But like this one's one where it's very industrial and it's very, the steam-powered stuff of just coming out of stuff. The steam. There's always steam, and they're just flying it's around rock. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, and this is set like, you know, I want to say, is it 200 years in the future? Where... You know what? 
I didn't see a year. And also, I've just said I didn't see it. It's a running man. I have seen running man. It was, uh, I thought you were on about Blade Runner. No, no, no. I, I, it's just boring. What? Everybody loves it. It's just boring. We might have to come to it. We've been asked, uh, oh, by the way, one of my mates asked us if we'll do um, oh, uh, Starship. Starship Troop- Troopers? Yeah. Have you seen it? No. Of course you have no. Yeah, 110. Let's do Starship Troopers. So we'll get that down the line as well. But obviously next up, we've, yeah, I was going to mention that later on in this one. So we've uh, we've got Top Gun coming up next week, by the way, for those. We were going to try and do a double header, but I've been uh, walking and, and Dan's been stuck in Bath in, a, in traffic. Um, this could be a good thing. What's annoyed Dan Fudge this week? Was it this week? What was it like being in traffic in Bath? Or wherever you were? <laughs> I don't know if anybody saw this, but obviously it's going to be a couple of weeks before this goes out. So I'm going to say, do you remember a couple of weeks ago, if you Google Plymouth M5, there is a truck that's managed to get itself caught on the, you know, the overarching stanchion that goes over yeah. where the uh, where the smart motorway things are. It's managed to stick itself. It's like it started to tip its load halfway yeah. down the motorway and just get, how does that even happen? And you were past it, I guess, or were you behind it? I was just stuck in the melee. I That's didn't see right. it. I didn't see it up close. Just smoking your vape like a nut job. <laughs> um, I've been through 30 fags at this point. I'm thinking, I was just disappointed in myself, but I got that that flashy light you get on the bottom of your vapes. You're like, well, yeah, tabs it is then. Always going to have a backup on that. So Star Wars with the ships. Um, what I'm going to say, I'm, mm-hmm. it's going to be overarching. I want to keep saying it. I noticed the music quite a lot with these things. And the music is either really dark kind of Hans Zimmer kind of or a bit of suspense, a bit of strings in there, or predominantly, I reckon four-fifths of the film, padder music. No music. It's the sound of the ship. It's the sound of steam. It's the sound of Jones the cat. We'll come to him in full detail. He's going to get my favorite sub-character because basically there's only five characters in this and they all basically fucking do something. So, um, yeah, so the music, the sound, the I mean, I I haven't looked what it did for awards. Maybe I can look it up while you're talking, Dan, but um, the overall feel of the Nostromo, the sets themselves, they just look so good. I mean, and, but yeah. I think, and I may be right, I may be wrong in this, they knew they were going to be making that set part of the character. That ship is a character, the way yeah. you look at it, and there's padding on some bits of the walls, and this clinical bit is, I was really taken by it. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the music that you, that you picked on, I don't think I've seen silence used as well, and I'm going to bring right up to modern day, there's uh, one of the James Bond movies where uh, he's fighting with Dave Bautista on a train with Daniel Craig and there's no there's no music in that that's just two geezers cracking the fuck out of each other and it, and it actually for some reason hits a lot harder and mm. and I found that the suspense with the silence knowing that so there could be a jump scare coming any second now absolutely adds to it you're sat there clenching the entire time especially when there's no music because like for example you've got um jaws where you kind of know that something's going to happen and that really, you, you know, it's going to happen, but it still scares the shit out of you when it does. Yeah. It's coming in. Yeah. Yeah. It's got whereas this one, you're like, well, that, uh, that's good. This shit. Out of me. <laughs> it's, it's, I wonder what people would have thought about this back in the day, because obviously I had an idea what was coming out. Uh, mm. But obviously we'll talk about how it gets into someone's face, into their chest and running around and stuff. But uh, I just mm. had a quick look up as well. Um, this actually won uh, an, an Oscar in 1980 for best effects and visual effects for R.H. Geiger, the bloke obviously designed it, uh, Carlo Rambaldi, Brian Johnson, Nick Alder, and Dennis Ayling, and best art direction nominee, and loads of stuff for production, mm. which doesn't surprise me in the slightest. It's absolutely wonderful looking. Um, but also the pace, because I, I say about Star Wars, but Star Wars is quite quick. There's a lot of like speed in it, which is one of the reasons I prefer it to Star Trek, which I basically have always said is submarine warfare in space. It's yeah. very much like, 
We're going to move the ship now 15 degrees and shoot at those wobbly bobs, or whatever they're called. Oh, no, but sir, they've got one of the... I'm, I'm turning my head like it's going to give me different audio. I'm looking at each people doing that kind of... Um, you know, Matt, who's this? Comedian, is it? Um, is up. Yeah. Um, and they go, oh, no, sir, they've got one of those something rays. Okay, well, in seven hours, we'll get a shot on them. You know, it's kind of... <laughs> yeah. This is slow because you've got that meandering through space a bit. And then there's the issue... Yep. We come to a planet, don't we? And I must say with the planet, I like that art design as well. You don't see a lot of it. They do a bit of a scan. Oh, it's a bit cold down there. They get a plan. But what I do like is it's Dallas, isn't it? Who's the captain. There's a big elements of it where he's just very, if it was an 80s film, this, or if it was more modern in a sense, everyone would be going, oh my God, what's going on? Oh, we're buggered. Oh, what's this? But he just goes, no, no, no. What you're going to do is you're going to do that. You're going to do that. And we'll do this. Okay, let's go down. It's very sober. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I, I tell you, tell you this is going to sound weird, but I was a big fan of Red Dwarf. And I still am. Uh, you know what I mean? I've never I, seen I, it, Dan. I did not seen, Do you know why? Because the kids at school who used to say smeg off, I thought stunk. No, that's fair. They were. They I didn't think it was for me. I thought they were into their games workshop, which I actually probably absolutely love more than them now. But they yeah. were the kids who were like, oh, I'm going to smeg off. And I was like, oh, it's not for me. And do you know what? I, I wasn't allowed to fucking watch it. <laughs> There's some. So there's some there's some really really good set designs in um, right. in in Red Dwarf and and the models before season about seven uh, are literal literal models of the shops and uh, of the spaceships and things like that and and it's absolutely bloody brilliant mm. like and and I and, and I got that especially when they visit the planets in that show and then when they visit the planet in this movie like you say you don't see a lot of it you see the bit that matters but you mm. don't see a lot of it. I see. Do you know what's also a bit sad in a way? Um, I think Ian Holmes dead as well, but you know, uh, Hurt's obviously dead. Is how they all look like Hurt, especially looks like a member of Radiohead back then. They look <laughs> really cool, and it's a bit dirty. Yeah. And they get out them pods, and he's waking up with his undercrackers on, and it's just like, oh, of course they're on. But you know, what I mean, he's he's his pants or his cocking boggers, as they call them. And then when they do go to that planet again, you've got that bit with the it cuts to like a very 80s kind of look of that kind of, you know, fizzy VHS kind of look across the screen, looking through. The, but the tech, even for 79, which you remember, no one's got mobile phones, personal computers aren't wonderful around there. You'd be lucky to go on a BBC or an Acorn, uh, to be mm -hmm. honest, around that time. It's just great. And then on the planet itself, there's it's not like someone's going, oh my God, we found this thing. What is it? Even when he's discovering the egg and finding like that skeleton thing that's all frozen there, it's just like, it's all really creepy and a bit of like, yeah. It's a science experiment more than anything else, and and, and you kind of you kind of try and put yourself in that situation, don't you? You think, yeah, I'd be absolutely bloody terrified. Oh yeah, and my only negative with it, in some ways, which is is might as well get it out now, is sometimes because the film is basically two halves. It's basically mm -hmm. all the shit at the start, get to the planet, face hugger, I think you call it, uh, and then shit gets real on the ship. There is mm -hmm. a lot. Oh God, this is hard because I'm going to contradict myself straight away. I like it and I didn't like it in equal measure almost. A bit where it took them seven years. If they were making you a cup of tea, it'd have been like this. Get the kettle, water, open the top, pour it in. Let's wait for that to boil for a little bit. That's and you're watching it. Yeah. Whereas in a film now, it's like, you know, like, um, like Edgar Wright. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Exactly what yeah. I'm thinking. Now, in some ways, there's bits of it where I thought this film's two hours, more or less. Right. And I'm is thinking... It? Yeah, it could have got for one hour 30 or something <laughs> if you weren't pressing so many switches. But I fucking love them switches. They look great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it adds to it. I think I think that because it gets the on the year and it gets the mundane, 
inside the shots and it's not one after the other, click, click, fast, fast, Edgar Wright, you can you can put yourself into that scenario. Like, you know, you're right. They 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 wake up in those pods. And mm. that is a very drawn out scene, isn't it? And it's just people brushing the teeth and getting breakfast yeah. and stretching and yawning. Whereas I, I guess nowadays or even up until probably the late 80s, early 90s, all of that would have been cut out. Oh, yeah, big time. And it's, I mean, you do see those films. And it's the kind of films that you're going to call my wanky art house films, where it's just someone who just, you know, it's the kind of thing that I would say is a French film. It ends with F-I-N at the end, which I always try and do when I'm being up someone's ass and trying to annoy him. I'll put fine. Uh, but someone will just go, how are you? Mm, I'm okay. Good. I'm not. And then they look around Paris for a bit. I'm, and pre- I'm pretty sure too. that was a uh, that was a Renault advert in the nineties. Papa, I don't even to say Papa anymore. It's probably banned. Um, so we get on the planet, and then John Hurt's going. Oh, actually, look, I can only do him as Ollivander. He goes, Harry Potter. Hello, Harry. This is good for you. So I don't know. He doesn't do that in this. He doesn't go. Hello, Egg. Let's have a little <laughs> gander in here and see what house you are. Oh my God, you're a massive fucking squid thing with knuckles. Mm-hmm. Jumps on his head. What I like about this is it's instantly almost cuts to them going, uh, what's going on down there? Oh, he's buggered. Um, yeah. and then they cut to it being taken out. And the artwork's so good, like we're housing the helmet and it's cutting the helmet mm. off. And of course, you've got a special tool for that, not just some pizza cutter like me and you would have got. Yeah. But the whole yeah, taking yeah. off and it's on his head, and then they're trying to cut it off and the way it's behaving, and he's still breathing. And there, well, that's what you said, man. I was sort of going. I would, I mean, I'm scared to death of frogs. I would hate that motherfucking thing on my face. Yeah, they were stood, they were stood really close to it. They didn't have any kind of helmet on. And there's a, um, and the bit that kind of stuck with me as a kid, and I I always remember it. Do you remember Nicky Lauder uh, and the James Hunt story? Yeah, in the the accident where he burned his face. And in that movie, Rush, they mention it. And it was something that was brought up before in the past where they go, do you know what the worst thing about, uh, South African, apparently. He said, Nicky Lauder. Yeah, the worst thing about um, when he was in hospital wasn't the tube that they put down his throat to clean out the asphalt. Yeah. It was watching James Hunt win on the TV. Yeah. And there's a, there's a bit that cuts to a, a medical screen and the face hugger's got some appendage down the down its throat. And, that, and I was like, oh, God. And then when they... When they, uh, when they pull it off his face and you see all the, uh, all the bits... Because it's like oh, a smooth spider creature, right? And they pull it off his face and you see it and you're like, God, no, I mean, that was horrible. They don't pull it off in the end because it fucks off, doesn't it? Because they go look at him and it's gone and they can't find the fucking thing. But they do then find it and it's underneath. And yeah. it's underneath is, how can I say this? Really like a shot in the face. It's that. Plus many seafoods. Yeah. I've said for a long time that mussels, don't look at them. Eat them, don't look at them because they look like experiences. <laughs> They look serious. Are you farting around the poo there? No, I wasn't actually. I was uh, farting around the uh, genitalia actually, Dan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you'll never move to a muscle in the same way. Um, or what was that one time you once said to me, have you been eating mushrooms? Uh, but that's, anyway. Um, yeah, it's a little in-joke for you there from 2006. Um, we're not going to, please, we're not going there. Um, so, yeah, the tech, the creatures are absolutely wonderful. The the But I'm going to talk to you a little bit here about where the uh, they cut its leg and it's got acid blood. Acid blood. Now, that's for a lot of people, they go, bloody hell, that sizzled the floor. But I like it how straight away they're trying to run down the floor to see how far it's... Because he's straight away, Dallas has gone... Yeah. By the way, Dallas, 
the name of uh, someone from the indoor league, I'm pretty sure, who played Hapney shoving for New Huddersfield in 1974, as we mentioned a few weeks back. But yeah, he's realised it could go outside the ship and then they're buggered because the whole ship's going to get sucked through a hole. But It's the way he stands underneath it where it's melted through. I mean, that's just melted through a steel floor and he's looking yeah. right up the hole going, oh yeah, that's fucked. Look at that, that's mental. Well, I, I kind of took your mantle here and I got a little bit of info on this for you. So it was a conceptual, it was conceptual artist Ron Cobb. I would look, where I'm from, Cobbin is throwing something or it's a bread roll. But if I mention bread rolls, we have to mention football on Boxing Day 1963. So let's uh, let's keep that quiet. So Ron Cobb came up with the idea the aliens should bleed acid. This came about when Dan O'Bannon, not the name of throwing something in a roll, uh, ran into a wall with the screenplay in how to handle the last half of the movie. Didn't run into a wall. Yeah, he needed a good reason for why the crew members don't just shoot the thing and kill it, but still not make it an indestructible monster that can't be killed. And the acid bud was the idea that solved the problem. And that's weird. So again, like I said at the top of the show, they they started a lot of tropes, didn't they, uh, mm. in this movie? And acid blood is something that's been used for the next 30, 40 years. Yeah, it's because you. I guess back in the day of like you got your Dracula, you got Frankenstein, all these things from those, you know, like Bella Lugosi and all that, and Nosferatu. They're based on things from the 1800s that are written and they're kind of like garlic, steak, mm -hmm. silver bullet, whatever it might be. With this, you can, and bloody hell, what's that thing? Because you can make it anything you want. You know what I mean? So you've got to think of a way that isn't just, why don't you just shoot it? Because otherwise you end up like James Cameron going, why don't they both get on that piece of wood? Have you seen recently he's, he's addressed that? Yeah, apparently he admitted it, right? So they they literally got a pool out and a couple of actors yeah. to see if they could have both got on there. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's gone, it? yeah. We watched, which film was it where we mentioned the Titanic thing? Oh, it was uh, Big Trouble in Little China where she says about Jack and he's on the on the wood with him, uh, when the, you know, Kim Cattrall. Anyway, um, I found out two more for you as well. So there's a, there's a light. When they look at the alien ship's egg chamber, mm -hmm. right? So you probably won't remember this because I saw this when I was looking at the acid one. There's some blue laser lights that were used in this chamber. It's got a blue hue to it. Mm -hmm. Guess where they came from, Dan? I've no idea. Because it, it wouldn't have been a laser pen or anything, would it? No. So next door to where the soundstage was for this film, there was a band testing out lasers for their stage show. So they used them. And it was The Who. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, mate. I've got one more for you after this as well, but I'll I say. Bet, I, bet, I bet you were well happy finding that, weren't you? I love that, mate. Bit of rock and roll, bit of. Uh, if anyone uh, is into your books and your bio, uh, autobiographies or biographies, uh, the one about Keith Moon, which I think is called Dear Boy, is absolutely insane, but also not what you'd expect. So it's a really good read for you. Bit of literature corner there, Dan. Um, I've written down your biology, which is obviously we're talking about all the uh, under undercarriage of the face hugger. Mm -hmm. But then, obviously, that's buggered off, and 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 John Hurt's like, I feel quite well, Harry Potter. I'm going to have me a few cups of tea, and all of a sudden, happy days. Everyone's having some uh, cereal around the uh, middle of the Nostromo there, and going, oh, happy, happy, happy. Now, I did know about this. I knew about something coming out of someone's chest, mm -hmm. and did I figured you know it was coming real? in that moment though, when it was the the Grecian pride before a downfall. Only because I've seen films, if that makes sense. I okay. kind of this was there was cereal on the table. Most people, most people don't end up in. I can't think of another film where someone gets bad shit when they're having cereal. Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, they fall yeah, in the cereal. Yeah. But generally, I've never seen anyone's chest explode whilst eating uh, Honey Loops. Have you discussed? Um, so yeah, chest explodes. Now, there's I've the thing I had a problem with this was I mean, incredible, and I think Hurt was really good the way he did that because most people do screaming, don't they, with acting. Mm -hmm. He was doing a very much like 
fucking hell, you know, there's something coming out of my bloody chest, which would yeah. cause you a real turn. I think the I think the best bit of the scene was the the pre-pop blood splatter that was underneath the shirt. Yes. You know what I mean? That there was like a pop and there's a pause from everybody. Like they weren't like the actors weren't expecting it. Yeah. And then and then it comes out. And, and I can't work, I, I can't work out, right? You, you know, you're you watching this for the first time. Mm. Did that look shit? Yeah. I was gonna say it looked, I've tried to ever since we uh Here's a behind the scenes for you. Before we did RoboCop the first time, I realized I mentioned his junk too much and had to redo it. Uh, I hate to bring penises back, but it did look like someone's dick poking out of a chest with an angry uh, metal mouth. <laughs> it was a bit, it, yeah. I mean, we'll come to this later on because it is the xenomorphs, the big one, is it? Yeah. There was times when that went from being, Jesus, that's a scary, massive thing to bloke waving his arms around. So Yeah, I, well, I think we'll come to that because that that for me, there's a, there's a bit later on towards the end of the movie that I went, oh, fuck off. Ruined it. That's just that's just that bloke who played Freddy Krueger and was on fire. Yeah, hey, look, all these references now—it's actually working. Um, so chest explodes, thing jumps out, and then sort of skittles along the surface, going, mm-hmm. "I'm out, I'm loose." Mm-hmm. Um, what I will come to because obviously it's it's not a surprise to anyone, but this becomes the massive xenomorph, and I don't think there's meant to be more than one of the buggers. So that's the one that's jumped out of John Hurt, been on his face. It's sorry, let's go back. Dancing in its egg to the Who, and it's lighting. Jumps on Ollivander's face, waits for him to have some cereal, jumps out his chest, grows grows in near some chains, goes for a grow. Yeah. Um, it's a complicated way of making a life. <laughs> That's what comes to my mind. Yeah, yeah. When you think about it, you think, well, what was the plan if the humans didn't start dicking about with those eggs? What was the do, plan? Yeah, do they just jump out? And maybe there's other films that explain this, but they just pop out. And if they can't find a face, what's the point of being a face hugger? In it. I, I wonder, did, did did they start looking for critters, for example? Like, was there a little uh, squirrel knocking around? It just went, oh, fuck it, we'll, we'll get that. And then it don't come, don't make it as big. I, t- I tell you, there was around, and they ain't no, ain't no one going to fuck with him. Mr. Jones the Cat. Jones the Cat. Joneso! Joneso! What a... Now, I was going to say Mr. Jones is a shit name for a cat, but this is coming from a bloke who called his cat uh, Cluffy. And Alonso and named his sister's cat Juan Sebastian Babina the third. And Dan, your long lost hero had the wonderful name of Sporticus. There we go. Uh, so we can't really judge, but Mr. Jones is a shit name for a cat. I don't know. I kind of did they call it Jonesy or did I well, imagine that? That sweaty bloke who looks a bit like the bloke out of uh, the A team. Yeah. Never seen the A team, so I don't know which one it is. Is it who's the one who looks a bit, he's got the baseball cap on, looks like he smells? Yeah, Murdoch. Howling Mad Murdoch. Him. He looks like him. He looks like the kind of bloke who eats peanuts and sunflower seeds. Yeah. yeah it looks like uh, he sells sells trinkets at the Brighton Lanes. Down Fanny Island. Look it up. It's not what we think. Um, we've definitely mentioned it before. And he's going, Jonesy, Jonesy. And something about them chains dangling in the room that got me. It was all a bit wet. And then he takes his hat off and has a bit of a, a bit of a, I don't know if I'm doing this on a podcast, I'm doing the face. He's like just rolling his face around like you would under a nice lagoon in uh, Mauritius. But no, where's that water even coming from? They're in space. That got me. You you and water. You were the same in Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> what, with water? Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I don't know. I try and make sure everything doesn't keep going back to E.T. That's normally where a lot of it comes from. But then Jonesy jumps out, doesn't he? Does the cat thing. And I found a bit here on this as well, Dan, straight underneath it. To get Jones the cat to react fearfully to the descending alien, Watt was placed in front of him with a screen between them so the cat wouldn't see it at first. 
The screen was then suddenly removed to make Jones stop advancing and start hissing. What did they bring in? And by the way, it's a 79 film, but this is probably the most 80s thing they could have brought in. Was it? Did they just go, what don't cats like? What's going to make them jump? Dogs. So they put a dog behind the screen and just lifted a screen up. Uh, it was a German Shepherd, yeah. It was Brilliant. the it was the dog Brilliant. of choice in the eighties for any knobhead. <laughs> the old wrongans that owned this film, yeah, uh, and showed it to eight year olds. Yeah, they had they had this they had that this dog. And then it's um, what do you call it? In the early nineties, it became a Rottweiler, which my sister used to call a roller biter because she was only small. I, I can't get out of my head that Rottweilers aren't roller biters. But yeah, Jones, you, you're gunning for the cat. It's a smart move because people care about cats and dogs, and you're mm-hmm. thinking, hey, up. Jones is he's on side. You know what I mean? Ma- Matey's dead, Mad Murdoch, but we want Jonesy to get through this. I think uh, I think Jones, the, the way they get the, the there's there's a couple of shots where it zooms in on the cat's face and it kind of raises an eyebrow and its and its pupils just <laughs> what's the opposite to dilate? Constrict. Uh, yeah, dilated is where it's open, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. And it and it kind of just like and, and it kind of ends the scene. Like it kind of zooms in on the cat. It is a perfectly framed shot of this cat's chubby little face. And then it just goes and, and, it, and then the, the scene's ended, like the scene's finished. And but there's a bit later on in the movie where I think Ripley's got it in the in the cat carrier. Got it in the cat carrier. Make sure you get the cat. Yep. And drops the bloody thing. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Jonesy. Are you all right, Jonesy? I'm now concerned for the welfare of this kitten. Yeah, Jonesy, Jonesy's having a thing, but he looks like one of them big ginger cats. It's kind of like he can take a little bit. He can take, oh. he can take a knock, big ginger, Tom. Unless he's one of those uh, a piece of string cats like your lad who just had to put through up with everything. He's a great lad, but once I had a mental breakdown, I'd come to yours from a, a, a separation. Your poor cat's sitting there just going, if he listens to bloody Christina Aguilera one more time, Dan, I'm leaving. I'm off, Dad. Yeah, yeah. And just give you a look of disdain. But uh, let's, I tell you what, let, let's talk about Ripley. I mean, Come on, man! What an absolute megastar of a of of a go on. What, what, Next word. Casting that that was, like, yeah. I was going to come to. I'll come to it later on, but I'll do it now as well. So yeah, she's the role is really well done because I mean I have no idea how big she was before this and what she'd done before this. It was a breakout film. I don't. I don't know. Do you know? Uh, I think it, it was the breakout movie. I don't think it was her first movie. It was so the she, one that put her on the world. She's done jobs. So yeah, because she's kind of. Do you know, it's really weird. This I don't know if the world took a really uh, a sort of a, a crazy turn with it, but the women in this are somewhat stronger than any of the women I've seen in any of the films in the eighties we've mm-hmm. watched so far. Actually, no. Let's let's be fair. In um, Nightmare on Elm Street, the girl wins out, but she's a bit wet throughout. Yeah. Ripley is strong without being naturally. By the way, I'm a, you know as we said about RoboCop, where they tried to make the female cop almost almost manly to go, oh look, yeah, she yeah. was all right, which was ridiculous. She's very quiet. She's very kind of like just at the back doing her thing. But then when she is, she's she's strong and calculated. And I think it's a really great female part. It's got to be one of the top heroine parts out there. I think or- I think there's a really interesting bit where she's not even likable as a character. No, so really. here we are. We found some aliens. We found some stuff. Uh, you know, uh, he's had a, a face hugger. We need to get in the ship. And she's quoting space core directives or whatever the bloody hell she's saying and, and protocol. She's yeah. not likable as a person. And then it, it, she's just, she's hard nosed and she knows the game, but she's, this is all new. No one's come across this before. And it's the adaptation of, of, of her arc as the movie goes on. And then all of a sudden she's badass and she's quick thinking. And, and oh, I, honestly, I think she's amazing in it. But just with intelligence more than she's yeah. just 50 chest pull, you know, presses. That's why she's good. I, I must admit, I was ever so slightly disappointed she ends up in her knickers and her vest. 
Well, I, I tell you what, right? So I thought this at the time because I obviously I was eight years old. I'd never seen a woman in oh, a you love my dad. No, but but like there was a bit where she she kind of gets into a closet to hide from the xenomorph, mm. and obviously the director needed a way to be for her to be able to slide into the spacesuit that she gets into without the yeah. clothes getting in the way. And, and in my head, I'd managed to convince myself that that's why she ends up in a knickers. But I think there's a scene beforehand where she's in a knickers quite needlessly, right? No, she, I mean, she is getting ready for bed. She thinks she's escaped when we were jumping outside. She thinks she's escaped. So she's just knocking off her stuff going, right, do you know what? I'm comfy in my vest and I've got Jones here and, and me kegs. Um, and then obviously we'll come to that. We'll, we'll jump back. So I've got a couple of bits with the Dallas to go through first and Ash. Um, so there's a bit as well where I realized someone was called Lambert, one someone was called Parker. I thought these sound like fag packets from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. we all do because of the Lambert bit. But um, so Dallas is looking for the xenomorph in a pipe because they know where it's gone. Uh mm-hmm. luckily it wasn't big trouble in little China, otherwise it'd be a massive space frog monster in there. He will come out no more. Um but the, the thing that got me about that was he's looking for it with a fire because they've said, Oh, what do animals not like? Either fire or ice. So I tell you what, it must have been bloody boiling in there. Walking along with that. That's the first thing. So I think how I walk with a match sometimes, right? I walk really steady. If I was in there with a flamethrower, I would be doing my nutting. I don't know. Have you ever been in a confined space with fire? (laughs) I love the idea of you with your little salt pouring hand. Just, you know what I mean? Just in front of this flame. No, the, hold on. So Dan's talking about the fact that when I put salt and pepper on stuff for for, for food, obviously not people, um, I tend to do this thing with my hands. So it's because I think sometimes when using sachets and stuff, it just pours all in one direct whack. Remembering the time, Dan, when we were eating at Butlins when we worked there as staff and they changed their uh, their canteen staff. And it'd been a long day, probably doing sound for Bobby Davro or something like that, or, uh, you know, who was it? Peter Simon from uh, Double Dare. Look it up. Um, and I've settled down for a nice Sunday roast in the canteen. Thinking, oh, Let's get some mugs potatoes in me. Some carrots. Here we go. Got all of the salt pot. I'm going to put loads of salt on this. Here we go. Yeah. All over the chicken and the gravy. Lovely. Here we go. Time to eat it. Tastes like fucking cereal. Turns out the new lads they got from abroad in the kitchen didn't know the difference between sugar and salt. So they're just pouring sugar. All over their roasts, left, right. <laughs> anyway, I tell um, you what. Listen, I'm, I might top it with a tale. Oh, uh, go on. As, as you know, I've worked in hospitality for a number of years, and one of the first, the first ten years I had was uh, a, a 1950s style diner, and used to have those 1950s style sugar shakers. You know, the ones oh, yeah. where you tip upside down, and it's a perfect spoonful, apparently. In in theory, right? Yeah. Now, I said to uh, one of the, let's say, heavily foreign team members, uh, one of the chefs, I went. Can you fill half half brown and half white? That's what I said. Guess what he did? I can't in the minute. Oh, he's put so, half and half in. Yeah, so the bottom half all had brown sugar in it. And the top <laughs> off... <laughs> I was worried for a minute there when you said foreign things and started naming colour. I thought you turned into Richie Sunak. Um, <laughs> a bit of bit of politics for you, which will be ahead of its time. There we go. Yes, right. One for the dads. Um, so Dallas, lots of suspense. I'd really like the bit where you're just basically watching two dots. And they've got that in the game mm. I played, actually. You can use, like, a sensor, and it's just like, hey, up, oh, something's happening here. Because It's actually a scene that they return to in the sequel as well. Oh, do they? Mm. See, I'm, I'm going to talk to you a bit about E.T. as well at one point, and the reason why I think this film has got reasons why I'm scared of E.T., but I'll come to that in a bit. Um, so then we talk about Ash, Ian Holm, one of my favourite actors. You should see him in uh, From Hell, the one with Johnny Depp about Jack the Ripper. He's very good in that. And, of course... He plays a wonderful Bilbo Baggins in the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy and whatnot. Um, it's mine. Why should I give you it? Oh, it's just wonderful. Still one of the scariest things I've ever seen when he makes a leap for that ring. 
Oh yeah, yeah. When he probably goes, what does he say? Uh, oh God, I'm going to really annoy him doing my uh, it's Natalie's obsessed today. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Goes, Bilbo Baggins, do not confuse me for a conjurer of cheap tricks or something like that. Anyway, hey, there's a really funny uh, rumor going around about uh, Ian McKellen on that film where he got found with an orc. But uh, that's for another podcast. <laughs> I just like the image. Um, so Ash, who's played by Ian Holm, he just goes proper weird. Now, I kind of missed out on this because mm. she's gone to speak to Mother, the computer. That's a weird bit. That yeah. computer is almost like Mystic Meg, who died today, by the way. Rest in peace. It doesn't, get, it doesn't get addressed, really, who Mother is, but you kind of work out what it is as the title. Because you're, well, you're not about Mother. What are you talking about? What is happening? And then you go, oh, right, it's the thing. It's, 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 the, it's yeah, but the mothership. Why, why have we got a, a soothsayer ship? It, it, I, I don't get that. that. No need for that. Whoever brought yeah. that up needs a slap. I, I like um, the idea that mother was like the HR department. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, listen, we've got a moral dilemma here. Uh, what's mother saying about it? But that's that's what, because Dallas, before he gets in his pipe with his flame, he's doing, oh, by the way, it's not great to send him off there. And he finds him, he goes, yeah, with his hands. It's yeah. Like, yeah, the hands are a bit too I much. I think they came to a point where they must have gone, have we got the effects to watch this boat rip him to bits? No, we haven't. Cut away, hear him scream. I think that's what we did a few times. Um, but Ash then goes a bit weird and comes in, who's Ian Holm, and watches Ripley on Mother, which sounds like a very different film. And I looked away for a minute. I think I was cooking some salmon and some spinach or something. And I looked back, and Ian Holm had, like, milk on his head, and, like, just dripping, just a little bit of a drip. And I thought, has he been spiked in the head by the xenomorph? And then he starts cobbing her about, and I'm going, hey, up. I, I think I need to go back. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to let it roll. I'm going to see what happens. And it turns out his head is full of pasta and milk. Yeah, yeah. His uh, The robot sweat is milk, apparently. And he's got pasta carbonara yep. and balls inside yep. his head. And they go, oh, it's one of them robots. I don't care what world you're from, Dan. If you open someone's head up and they were full of like pasta strips and, and silver balls, I would not be going, is he a robot? I'd be going, is he made of pasta? Is, I've never... I want to know where that came from, where a robot is made of pasta. Well, listen, it was the 70s. You don't know how they made robots back then, do you? Things were said. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's full of pasta carbonara. But there's a nice bit where they do talk to him again. They've quite clearly put his head through a table, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. It's very obvious, isn't it? But I, 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 I kind of allowed that scene. I don't know why. You knew when, they, when it was a real head and when it wasn't. But I feel like they did it as best they could, given what was available to them. I didn't really think it was mega naff. What, no, no, I, I, do you know, I, overall, there's even a bit, you know, when he's fighting with him and the uh, other bloke comes in, I think he's called Parker, and uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's the black chap in there, and he's just like, the, there's just that bit there where you're just going, yeah, I don't think it was too bad, because you've clearly got dummies involved, and you've got, mm -hmm. oh, and his head's hanging off the back of him, yeah. it looks, honestly, it looks so much better than Robocop, which can still go fuck itself. Um, so moving along, uh, Parker and Lambert, and then it's just Ripley that's all left. I also saw another stat, Dan. Um, did you know who Ripley was up between? Which two actresses were up for that one, or actors? Was it, was it the, please tell me it was the one from uh, Robocop? No, it was one of the Golden Girls. It was um, Betty White. I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Can you Harrison imagine? Ford turned down the role of Captain Dallas. Right. That would a different film, but it was between Sigourney Weaver and Meryl Streep. Oh wow! And apparently, when it because they had been college mates at Yale, and Weaver uh, was offered the job because Street was mourning the death of her partner John Cazal at the time of Cazal uh, Cazal uh, at the time of casting. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Oh, there's loads of these stats on here. I throw about here, um, and also I was moaning about the time. Apparently, the original cut of this movie was three hours twelve. I, I think during the years, over the last 30 years, I think I've watched the, the, the director's cut of it. And I, I mean, it's a slow, tedious affair. 
a good one, don't get yeah. me wrong. Tedious might might be overly critical, but it's a slow affair. And then to watch that for three hours, all of a sudden I'm watching The Irishman again by Martin Scorsese, which was bloody quite, awful. I quite liked it, but I'm sure you hated it. Uh, but Lambert, when she dies, the other female on the ship, that was quite harrowing because it wasn't just a scream. It was a proper, you don't see it. You can see him coming nearer, but the screams are like really, I've always said this, like if I fell off the top of a building, right, for whatever reason, everyone thinks it's scream. I think I'd go, I've gone or no, no, something like that. No, no, no. Because sometimes I have this thing where I like wake up in the night and I go, oh, I get a palpitation. And I think I'm sort of going under. It sounds dramatic, but I think it almost feels like dying because you're half asleep and you're like, I'm going down. And I go, no, 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 no. I always say no. And I think if I went off, of, that's what you'd naturally do. Like when we, um, I knew a lad who used to work at Skeg Fair and we, uh, he said, oh, come on, we'll hang around the, uh, we'll impress some girls when they come on the ghost train. So we got on the ghost train, which was really poorly made. It's just got things going, like jumping out like that. And we waited for these two girls to get on. And we'd been eyeing up in the queue, being sort of tykes. We were at 14, 15, whatever. Tykes, good way of saying it. We weren't from Barnsley. Yeah, we paid for things. It's fine. So as, as this thing's going around, they come around the corner and we jumped on the back of like the thing they were sat in. Now, everyone thinks, if I said to you that story, you go, what did the girls do? You go, they went, ah! The thing was, they naturally did what your body would do. They got inside themselves, very small, and like crumpled into a ball, and they both went, ah! Like a, ah! Like, I really, I don't know if he's going to pick this up, but like very, ah! Like, it was almost too much. They they were genuinely terrified. That's what I liked about Lambert's death. She sounded like a <laughs> Yeah, she sounded like a girl on a ghost train in Skeg in 1996. God, you don't get many punchlines like that, do you? Well, actually, I'm going to add to it because we've got a bit of time as well. My thing, have I ever told you about Little Pig? Little Pig. I'm, I may have done it at some point. So I developed this thing years ago when I lived with this bloke called Ian. And, um, uh, not not slide, but before that, Ian, right? So no, stick with me. It's all right. And I used to like scaring the shit out of him for no reason. He was about my age and he lived there with his son. It was this really nice house. And my room was next to his. And what I used to tend to do was just find different ways to scare the absolute shit out of him because his reaction was always hilarious. Because he was from like Plymouth or somewhere and he'd always end up going like, oh, mate, no, no, what are you doing? And I was like, really? <laughs> uh, coming from a bloke who hates being scared, you know, it's kind of deflective therapy. So I'd do things like get in his wardrobe and when he'd go to bed, I'd leap out and he'd go, oh my God. What's <laughs> matter with you? How old are you at this point? Uh, 26, 25. Grown ass man. Old enough to vote and sire a child. <laughs> it gets better. So one time I developed this thing called Little Pig. And I used to, I don't know why it's called that whatever, but I realized probably off the back of the Skegness incident that if I make you jump, you're going to get low. You're going to get in yourself. But if I come at you low, you're going to have to get high. And there's not a lot you can do about that, right? So. Yeah, I can see your face working out already. So he's he's trottled out across the hall to go to the loo, and he's come out, and I don't know what he's wearing, but it turns out it's just his pants. And he's kind of a fairly portly fella. And now I've hidden around the corner of the door, and I'm on all fours, and I come shuffling out, going <laughs> like a little pig, and it's pitch black. So, But I've come at him quite fast. So he's done the natural thing, if something comes at you along the floor, to sort of leap in the air. He didn't just kick you. No, he went, no. He went, no, but his dick fell out his pants. And then he sort of stuck between no, 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 and oh my god, my dick has come out. And he kind of went, no, no, oh god, what? And he just went, why, why do you do this? And he went to bed, and I was just crying in my room, just going, oh, little pig, <laughs> he's going, I eat little pig. Oh, 
Honestly, you, you are a 26 year old man. So all of a sudden he's gone from sheer terror to realize he's got his dick out in front of his house, mate. <laughs> and I didn't expect that. That was just a bonus. <laughs> it's just like, a, if yeah. So if any of you ever want to make any of your housemates genitalia appear, pretend to be a pig at one in the morning across the floor in the hallway. Weird. Jones the cat returns when she escapes from the, the Nostromo, decides to blow it up, escapes just in time. Big explosion, probably the worst effects. So it's like the start of Doctor mm-hmm. Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's stroking Jones the cat, not a euphemism, getting down to her kegs. Everything's all right. Oh my God. What's that curled up in the corner? It's a xenomorph. This is my, this is my shit bit. This, I agree. This is a bit where I went, what the fuck? How has she not fucking seen that? Now I've got to listen. We'll use this opportunity to have a um, a somber moment for Balaji Badejo or Balaji Badejo, uh, the the actor inside the uh, xenomorph suit who unfortunately passed away with sickle cell disease. He had a bit of a terrible life oh. after this movie, bless him. And he was he was literally just discovered, um, like uh, in a in a pub by Ridley Scott's casting team. They've literally gone, oh here, you you you've got the length of limb. His arms and his legs were what. You know what got in the part. He's been and, casted uh, for his physical attributes. Yes, yes, right. that's the one. And uh, he had a shitty life of it after after the movie, hmm. and um, and he was quite quiet and uh, I think withdrawn when he was um, when he was on set. So he's clearly dealing with some stuff at the time. But when you've got this this man in this costume, and the geezer was six foot ten, right? So you know, there's a man already with a three foot long head on. Yeah, the, the geezer's six foot ten, and she's not seen it having a nap. What? Well, do you know what? It's funny because when I was doing my stat bit, his name came up, and I saw that from there. And it's, as soon as you said the name, it's actually not long after. So it's very freaky how you said that. But it says actually that when he's in the shuttle, the set was built around him. I didn't realize he was that oh, tall. Wow. So they built it to make it more effective as a hiding place. But they said extracting himself from the place proved to be more difficult than anticipated, and the suit kept tearing. And in one instance, the whole tail came off. Brilliant. And, and you can really, you really get that sense that this is, you know, the place is on fire, and and, and you're like, it's just asleep. What, what a, you know, all of a sudden because, you know, like in horror movies, there's a, there's a, again, here's that word. There's a trope where, when it comes to killing everybody else, he's an absolute mean spirited, hmm. you know, superhuman being that's, that's hmm. super hyper efficient. But when it comes to attacking the the lead, they turn into, you know, a Laurel and Hardy. Story. Charlie Chaplin movie, yeah, and and that's kind of what happens here, right? Like you kind of go, oh, he was he was like a stealth, efficient killer, and now he's having a nap. Yeah, but he's <laughs> sleep and feed. You know, you've got to feed and sleep, whichever way around it is. Because at first, I kept I was watching that going, hold on. So whereas it was blown up, he got in there because I'm seeing him going batshit before this. But no, mm-hmm. he's obviously decided this is where I'm going to be a little kimber, as I call it, cross between a kip and a slumber. A kimber goes well with a little pig. And he's turned out being in the one ship that she's escaped on. Now, she's got a conundrum here, though, hasn't she? Because I was thinking at one point, leave him be. Yeah, leave him there. Because I don't like being bothered. And I, I would have felt like him. And how does she bother him? By setting gas off at him. Yeah. Ah, oh, you'd be pissed. More you steam know. steam power. Yeah, you, exactly. Steampunking it up. But yeah. like, just leave him be. But I'm thinking, I don't know how far she's got to go. And to be honest, all it needs is him to wake up. Jones ain't going to be much use. So she did well, the right Jones has just dropped in the in the cat carrier at this scene, hasn't she? She's just chucked him through she's, a door. She's had him out, actually, because that's when she was, I say, in her, in her undernackers. She's decided to give uh, Jones a stroke. Again, not a euphemism. Um, but in my head, 
I don't know, I've done this before where I've been like holding, you know, a cup of tea and something else and I've gone, can I carry that as well? And you know, you have that moment as a human being where you kind of go, that might be too much that. Yeah, or that four pints, four pints, unless you're in plastic cups. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought you meant four pints in and then you can't decide to do anything. But yeah, <laughs> and there's a point there where I'd have been going, I'm going to make the wrong choice here. There's a fucking xenomorph for sleep behind them tubes. Because <laughs> mm. no one's attempted to shoot it in the head, but I guess he's got acid. Oh, he's got acid blood. There you are, you see. Ah, fucking hell, she'd have you know torn shit to you've, you've just blown it wide apart. Because I'm thinking, why didn't she just bolt gun the prick in the head? Because he's got acid blood. He's got acid blood. Good work, Mr. Cobb, whoever come up with that. Your little uh, tyke move there worked really well. Um, so the only other bit I'd say really about is you've got her in her underwear and then his mouth comes out, which is so phallic. Yes. Slides out his second or third mouth, however many he's got, which slides out like something out of bloody Debbie Does Dallas. It's not a great view. But, you know, maybe I'm looking at it with the the way we do with older films now, going, there's no need for that. Why is that woman just running with, you know, we say we it's always cocaine and boobs coming out everywhere. Um, I don't know. I, I Because that's a, it's a double-edged thing, isn't it? Because part of you is going, if that woman, whoever it may be, wants to take their stuff off and have a relax, of course they can. But we see it through so many films where it is exploitative that I think we often do that now. Yeah. I think there's yeah, much yeah. worse than Alien. I think Alien is actually a very feminine film and a feminist film as well. Yeah, I don't I don't think it came across as pure 80s movie titillation like it does about four or five years after this movie comes out. But I, I think there might have been a point where someone was watching this film going, can we get away with that? Yeah. Shit, let's get that in all the films. <laughs> the, no one's going to do anything about this because uh, men rule the world. And Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know what? Also, it was nice as well. There was no point in this film where anyone did say, oh, I've been asleep for ages in these tubes. Anyone fancy a reach around? There was no, <laughs> you know what I mean? There was no element of that, which I thought was actually quite, quite Complete good. lack of cocaine. No cocaine party. Uh, no, we've got cereal. But cereal then, party. To be fair, Dan, if you are... On a, I don't know how many years hibernated waking up. I think I do want cereal. <laughs> not, not, not two bag. You know what I mean? It's I don't want to go. I've been asleep for a few years here. Because the thing is, if it was set for an English crew, you know, one of them is get it. Substance, yeah, get it. Go. Oh, a company. Yeah, yeah right. be a turn up and go. Oh, okay, yeah. Listen, listen, listen. Meet me in the. Uh, yeah. Meet me in the uh, in a bit where we put all the fucking spacesuits on. I've got to cut the packet, in I? In it, in it, because uh, I was watching it quite again. You'll hate this because it's the kind of shit I watch that you don't like. So I'm there one night, couldn't be asked doing various bits. I've gone to BBC iPlayer, Dan's instantly switching off. And there's a thing about all about this new HMS like, battleship. And I thought, Do you know what? This is how my head works. I don't know anything about battleships. Like I went, I don't know much about these films. I make a podcast. So I'm watching it. And it's kind of the classic, kind of a bit like that crap in, you know, with the airport and the driving school, but it's it's on a bloody warship. And the stuff you don't realise, like how they wind the Russians up, they'll just go, this is their waters, but we'll just sail through it and things like that. It's quite, it's genuinely quite interesting. And there's this geezer down in the kitchen, it's called Ronnie something or other from Essex. Of course. Now, he's the kind of bloke that me and you would instantly hate but end up loving. It's your yeah, proper yeah. bit of a geezer in it. He's just talking about being 30 and he's had massive drug issues, you know, because he was into his DJing and MCing and that, you know what I mean? Got two daughters from two different ladies and all that, you know what I mean? But he's a lovable guy. He's got hair like Sean the Sheep, curly. Yeah, but I feel like he's going to be one of them guys that, you know, when, when me and you, we've not seen each other a while, we'll sit down, we'll have a pint. He's the geezer that comes over, he's the geezer, he's always a bloke, isn't he, that comes over and goes, all right, lads, what are you up to? Having a night, are you? Hey? And then don't fuck off. No, Ronnie's Ronnie's got a different he's got a different vibe of uh, different vibe. So he's talked about all these issues and he's tried to be fair shit to him. He's tried to put his life straight. So when this ship's about to leave, the biggest warship we've got, the Queen's coming, all this kind of shit. He's six hours late because he has to go sort out some shit with his ex. 
sort out, took- sort out some shit. Which I love. And he's all cheeky through six episodes. And at the end, it goes on a bit like they've done the seven months away. He's so happy to see his little girl. It's all very heartwarming. And then it does that classic thing where he goes, the captain went on to do 10, you know, just with like the writing underneath. And he went, Ronnie uh, failed a drug test. (laughs) (laughs) Seven months he's been at sea. And he got like banned from going to the first tour, you know, when they come and land somewhere. And now he's working for the Royal Mail. And he's there in his post office stuff going, thumbs up. I thought, do you know what? I saw it coming a mile off, Ron. All you've done is moan about the lack of eggs and just wound people up and I've been a bit of a geezer and I've loved you. But I always knew this was coming for you, sir. Do you know what I mean? The second he's got off that ship, he's gone full Nostromo, hasn't he? Of course he has. Of course he has. He's gone, absolutely. I'm out of here. Um, in the bag. We're about at the end of the pod. So it's a time where we look back on it and say what we think and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm going to let you do your score first this week. I don't, I haven't got a list of your scores, but we'll start getting them together so we can see where the little league is. But out of the films we've seen so far, where's it sitting? What's your score out of 10? Nine and a half, 100%. Ooh. I don't, I don't want to give it a full 10 because I don't think it's perfect. But this is a masterpiece. I think this movie started a lot and I think it holds up really well somehow. Mm. I think the only thing that let it down is the the janky effects, the one where he's having a nap, the talking head, and the the chest bursting thing that comes out. Like like you rightly say, looks like they've gone to pull some cocktails in Tinsley, yeah, and gone. You know, can I have a eight incher over there? Cost them sixty quid in nineteen ninety eight. And then, apart from that, I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's a very different creature. Uh, no pun intended to the other ones because it's it's almost like an adult film. The other ones are like for wrong and kids mm. to go and watch. Um, I'm giving a bit of wiggle room and a bit of it's because it's a bit of the pacing at times, but otherwise I'm going nine. Mm, big one for you, that. Yeah, it's because I still, I, I, I've got to give tens at some point, I guess. So, but the point five, I can see where it's at. And is there enough to justify me losing half? No, I'm going nine because I think there'll be other bits that there was a few little bits where I would have looked at my phone. You know, when you do a film that's a 10. I don't mm. care who's messaging you. Even if it's a national lottery email one going, you've yeah. won a prize, you're yeah. in it, right? And it always turns out to be a free go. Um, do you know what I mean? But that's, um, I'm giving it a nine, a solid nine. Well done, Ridley Scott. Well done, all the gang. Um, absolutely loved it. And next week, we're going to feel the need for speed, apparently. We're going to watch Top Gun. Um, you looking forward to that one? I love Top Gun. And I tell you what, they've done a great job with the sequel as well. So I, I, I would, if you've got, if you've got the spare time, I would watch two of them concurrently. Yeah, I don't know if it can be asked with that much Scientology, but we'll have a look anyway. But listen, guys, as always, uh, you can get us on uh, YNWT. You're not watching. I still get this wrong. At on all the socials. Uh, We're going to be, by the time this is out, we may have some TikTok presence as well. We're going to try and do some funny shit to get the young ones involved and you older lot going, what's going on here? I just want to watch the films. Thank you so much for the feedback as well with anyone who has spoken to us. We had a great message here from uh, Craig Super Cooper leads the Garibaldi. I'm not sure who he supports uh, on Twitter saying, I have to say, I haven't watched this from the start to finish. He was talking about, um, I think it was Big Trouble, but it said, I'm going to watch it the weekend after the review you guys gave it. Sounds like a switch your mind off and enjoy film. Brilliant. Lads. Yeah. Keep the great work. So anything like that, um, really appreciate it because obviously that's what the pod's about, really getting guys to watch it who've not seen them. And uh, if you have seen them, to have an argument with me. Uh, how many of your mates have been going, what's he on about giving Robocop a four? Mate, the amount of text messages I had, I had a message from Blair, who is a long-time listener, and he said, uh, that podcast, by the way, is excellent. So, you know, you can't argue You can't argue with feedback like that, mate. Oh, is it Blair who put, can't believe this got a higher rating than Running Man up the Pork Chop Express? That's him, yeah. 
Yeah, thanks, Blair. Nice to, nice to hear from you. Um, I say we should be getting Normie back as well. We may have a friend of mine called Stuart as well coming. He's desperate, I think, to do uh, the Warriors. Oh, nail him in. Let's get him. Let's book him. Let's get him in. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of films out there. But yeah, by all means, send us anything you want to do. We've got bits on Linktree there as well where you can send us some comments and bits and bobs. We're going to try and change some things up. Maybe get some competitions, try and get some aliens involved. The idea is to try and get people who've maybe, you know, put a board up in one of these films or built a fingernail for something down the line. But we'll see where we go and we're enjoying it and hope you do too. So until then, goodbye, Dan. See you later, Bob. See you there.